would not know why that thing would not play. I tested it this morning, and it played just wonderful. So I don't know what's why it would not play, but anyway, it would not. And so let's move on. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter number 12. Got your place to stand together. Amen. I do apologize for that. I hate it when something doesn't work. Amen. But uh, uh, whatever. Like I said, we tested that this morning. And I think we're like a top. Exodus chapter number 12. And the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. You shall take it out of the sheep, from the sheep, or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two sides of the post and on the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs and with the appearance thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. That which remains of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, I want you to notice verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house wherein you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. If I had a thought this morning, it would simply be one way out. Let's go to the throne of grace and ask the Lord to help us. I'm going to ask uh, Brother George Brown, how about you praying? Amen. You be seated. <coughs> no nation in the history of this planet has more of a fascinating history than the nation of Israel. I mean, I'm going to give you the quick version. God called a man by the name of Abraham. God gave Abraham a promise that he would become a great nation. Abraham and Sarah is almost a hundred years old. Can you imagine? 
getting news when you're almost a hundred. Hey, you're pregnant. You're going to have a baby. And God kept his promise. Isaac had a son named Joseph, Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And these 12 tribes of people become known as Israel. Joseph, one of his sons, is sold into slavery and taken to Egypt where he becomes a prime minister, second in charge of the entire nation. But eventually another prime minister, another pharaoh comes to power who does not know Joseph. But the one thing he does know without a doubt, the children of Israel are multiplying. They're now somewhere around 600,000 men, not counting women and children. So he begins to make decisions and moves to literally stop their growth. He puts them in bondage. He moves to make an order to take the life of all the firstborn male boys. My goodness, the boy children that are, that are birthed to stop the, the growth. But in the midst of all that, God steps in and spares one little boy by the name of Moses. We know the story. God anoints him to deliver this people that have been enslaved now for 400 years. Don't miss this. They are under the most powerful nation of that day. As a matter of fact, someone has said that there has been no king or no, no, uh, no, no nation uh, uh, in, in its time that would have been even close to conquering it. He was that powerful. They had no way of defending themselves. If you would, they were out of options. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about when we're out of options. But we also said this. When we are out of options, praise God, He's never out of options. Amen? I love that. And so this brings us to perhaps the greatest day of the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, this day becomes so critical to a nation that God changed the calendar, making this day the beginning of Israel's religious year. It becomes what we know of today as the Passover It is the clearest picture of redemption in the Old Testament. The word redeemed means to be bought back by a price. And no one is beyond God's redemption and God's forgiveness. We have here the birth of a nation in a night. We have here the freedom of a nation that had been in bondage for 400 years. We're going to learn that whenever it looks like there is no options, hallelujah, God always has an option. He always has an option. Maybe this morning you're in bondage. 
I am convinced of this. I am convinced that there are a lot of God's people in bondage to a lot of stuff. Drugs, alcohol, pornography. Boy, that, that's ones that we seem to lean on. But what about the ones of bitterness and lust and anger and unforgiveness? What about those? What about those that we have, that, that have as much a chain on our hearts as all the other things that we tend to think of bondage? We, when we think of bondage, we have a tendency to think of the, the drug addict. And, uh, and trust me, I feel for those, and yet, truth of the matter is, there's a lot of other folks. There's some under the bondage of just being hurt. Whatever that bondage is, I want you to know there is an option. As we look at this story, let me give you three things. Number one, we must accept God's directions. After 400 years of making bricks out of straw, after 400 years of being ordered around, after 400 years of being told when to get up and go to bed, what to eat, when to eat, Moses steps on the scene and says, God is going to deliver you. And here are the directions. Speak into all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they should take to them every man a lamb. Pardon pardon me, God. Pardon me. The most powerful nation, the most powerful king, the most powerful army. Did, Did I misunderstand what you said? Surely you said that you would wave your hand and destroy them. Is, did, I miss, did I miss what you said? No doubt you said you would send a legion of angels. Maybe that was it. Maybe I just misunderstood it altogether. You'll send a legion of angels and wipe out this army. Perhaps I, I no doubt, I, no doubt, I, no doubt, I just, I didn't hear that right. You're going to move nature and unleash all of its anger on this nation and wipe them out. God says, no. No, I, I, I didn't. You didn't mishear me. In the tenth day of this month, they should take to them every man a lamb. Are you ready for this? He's not going to use a lion or a legion, but he's going to use a lamb. The most gentle, the most meek, the most defenseless creature on earth. I love this. He's going to use an animal that has no fangs and no claws. And the truth is, it can't even outrun those things that would eat it. You're going to use a lamb. God said, yes, that's what I'm going to use. 
That's a plan. A lamb. Hold it, but not just any lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year shall you take it out of the sheep or from the goats. Not just any lamb, but it can't have any problems. It can't have any faults. It cannot, it can't have, it can't be blind. It can't have a crooked nose, a broken hoof. It can't have a scab or a scar. It's, it's wool has to be totally white. It cannot be, it cannot have any injury. He can't even walk funny. This lamb has to be inspected and, and examined in every detail before it's ever killed. And it's got to be proclaimed that it has no fault. But not only that, it has to be killed at a certain time. It's got to be killed between evening, somewhere around 3 p.m. in the evening. And then he said, and you shall take it upon until the 14th day of the same month and the whole congregation of the uh, the old assembly of the congregation of Israel shall eat it in the evening, somewhere between around 3 p.m. And the priest shall cut his throat and catch the blood in a basin. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two sides of the doorpost and over the lintel. And he said this, When I pass through the land, if I see the blood... I'll pass over you. Now this is God's plan. The death angel is going to come through the land in the midnight hour. No miss is. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, church. This morning we're not so close to the coming of the Lord that if we, if we, if we really, if we genuinely knew He'd scare us to death. Now, I'm not so sure we're not close to that midnight hour when the Lord says, come up hither and, and He's about done with this nation. Amen. And about done with our world. We find here all of a sudden, He said, when I see the blood. Now that's God's plan. That's God's direction. It's not open for debate nor discussion. It's His way. And it's the only way. Someone has said, God is one who made Israel. God is one who made us. God's only one that can save Israel. And by the way, He's the only one that can save us. See, when you think you're out of, out of options, we gotta get back to God's directions. Gotta get back to God's directions. Not only do we gotta accept God's directions, they could believe. Yes, Pastor, I, I, I believe in the Lamb. Got a message I want to preach. Do you believe more than demons? The Bible says the demons believe there's a God in tremble. Amen. Oh, I wonder to this morning, you can believe in the Lamb. You, you can say, I know He's the Lamb. I know the blood will do the job. We got to do the second thing, and that is this: we got to apply God's provision. Moses does what he's told, and he goes to the people with this plan that God has. But you know what happens? The Bible says, and Moses called all the elders of Israel, and said to them, "Draw out and take your lamb, and according to your families, and kill the Passover." 
And you should take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and strike it on the lintels on two sides of the post with the blood that is on the basin. And none of it should go out at the door of the house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sent the blood upon the lintels and on the two sides of the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door. And when I suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. See, it's one thing. It's one thing this morning to be told what to do. You can say, Pastor, I believe that. I know you're telling me the truth. I know that. But it's quite another to apply it to your life. How many of you believe there's food in grocery stores? How many of you believe you can go in the grocery store and buy it? How many of you understand this? If you never go in and buy it, you can sit in the parking lot and starve to death. Isn't it amazing? We come to church, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm thrilled you're here this morning. But I find this all the time. People say, I want God's deliverance, but I'm not interested in applying all of God's directions. We're much like the fellow that said, I want three dollars worth of God, please. I don't want enough to give me convictions, but I want enough to go to heaven. I don't want enough to move me to, to obey everything God said, but I just want enough when I die to, to go to heaven. Give me three dollars worth of God, please. That's kind of how we approach God sometimes. So we've got to apply God's provisions. See, it's one thing to be told what to do, but it's quite another thing to do what you're told to do. See, the blood of the lamb had to be applied to the doorpost of the house. And there there would only be one difference between the house of Israel, the Israelites, and the house of the Egyptians. Just one thing. And that is the applied blood. Israelites, where the blood wasn't applied, if the Israelites went home, and to my knowledge, none of them did, but if they went home and said, you know that crazy preacher Moses? That crazy preacher Moses, who's he? That old bloody religion, what's he think? Man, that's nasty. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you, don't miss this, don't miss this. Boy, the death angel wasn't interested if they were Israelites or Egyptians. Don't miss this. God ain't interested if your skin's black, green, or blue with pink polka dots. He don't matter whether you're white, black, blue, green, yellow. All he's looking for is, is the blood being applied. Amen. Are you listening? Are you listening? He's a looking for the blood. And as he come by, those Israelites that perhaps would have said, I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what he says. Bless God. Wait a doing that. I want you to know something. When the death angel came, he slipped into the, to the room of that firstborn and he snatched him out without any regard. Well, every Egyptian that said, Hey, hey, dude. 
fine news. Making them bricks and smelling that straw down there was going to get to them people. I knew it was going to, I knew all this bondage was going to get them. They must have been a smoking some of that hay and straw down there. You know what they're doing? They're doing the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. They've all took a lamb and they put it up. And just the other morning, just, just this morning, they got that thing out. And I've been watching them. They've been going, they, they, they turned that thing in. They looked in its mouth. They looked in its ears. And someone said, this is good. I find no fault in this one. Don't get ahead of me. Some of you are getting, don't you die, get ahead of me. Stay with me. I don't find any fault with this one. And then they caught the blood. And then I've been watching them. I've seen the old man take his, go across the top of his door. He's a smearing that blood on the top of the door. And I watched him as he took that blood and smeared it up and down the doorpost on both sides. I'm telling you, son, the heat and the brake make hits. I knew they was going off on the deep end. I had a bunch of fanatics down there at the church. I know they'd go to seed on religion. I know they'd go to bad. But then in the midnight hour, all of a sudden, the streams fill the sea, the streets. Wow! Where's my, my, my baby's died! My baby's died! Somebody runs in, checks the youngest one. It's okay. The middle one's okay. But they run into the room of the oldest. How many of you the oldest in your family? We'll run into your room. Are you listening? Are you listening? We'll run into your room. And they would have shook them. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! And they would reach down and pick it up. Could you hear the mamas cry? And the daddies cry. Because... Baby's dead. And I don't care if your baby's just one year old or a hundred. Your babies never stop being your babies. All of a sudden, firstborn. Only the blood would make the difference. A locked door wouldn't save them. A religious door wouldn't save them. The rich door didn't save them. The popular door didn't save them. The death angel was only looking for the blood. Bible says, meeting was say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Lord! We cast out devils in your name. Lord, you know me. Lord, you know me. You know who I am. Lord. He's going to say, 
I'm sorry. I don't know you. I don't know you. And the saddest words you'll ever hear, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Depart. I'm sorry, you'll have to go. Depart. Leave my presence. My Lord! 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 Don't, don't, don't you remember what I've done at the church? Lord, don't you know? But you see, the Lord is not looking for a baptismal certificate. Lord's not looking for your giving slip. All those are good. The Lord's not looking for the working voice you can hand Him. He's looking for the blood. Are you listening? He's looking for the blood. See, no substitute but allowed. You could believe in the Lamb. You can love the Lamb. You make the Lamb your pet. And I'm sure a whole lot of them felt like I ain't smearing the blood of this animal in my house. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what my crazy Moses said. I ain't not doing that. But all of a sudden, the death angel comes through. You say, preacher, what's all that mean for us? It means that there was another lamb that would come down the road one day. And don't miss this. Nothing's an accident in this scene. Him riding in on the donkey wasn't an accident. I got another message on when God gets all over, when God gets on you. Amen. And anyway, that all of a sudden, this nothing's an accident here. They think Moses said, Don't Pilate said, Don't you know I'm in charge? What I can do for you. God looks at him and says, Hey, stupid, don't you know you ain't never been in charge of this? Art thou king? Well, you say I am. To this end I was born. And all of a sudden, as Pilate not knowing what he's doing. You know what he's been in there doing? He's been in there inspecting the lamb. You know what he's doing? He's turning him every way he could be thought of. He's asking him every question he knows to answer. And finally he comes out there and he said, People, I'm a, let me tell you, find no fault in this one. Find no fault in this one. And at that moment, he become eligible to become my lamb. He said that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boys, 11-year-old boy at Icarus Grove Baptist Church, praise God. I want you to know that Sunday morning, the blood of Jesus was applied to my heart. And when he comes by, he sees the blood of his son. This morning, he's one of two things that will happen. When Jesus comes by, he sees your sin or he sees his son's blood. Do you know what I said? He sees your sin or he sees the Lamb of God's blood. Now, that's only two ways there is. There ain't no other two other ways about it. I've loved this. There's, and, and you say, but preacher, there's no logical reason 
to do except it's what God said do. You can believe what God said. You can say, I, I know the Bible's true. I know the preacher's telling me the truth. I know everything is the truth. But you realize, you can sit out there this morning, and when Amen said, Pastor, that's a good message, and walk right out the door and say, I'm not applying the blood to my heart. I love our nation. You know one of the greatest things that God has given every single one of us here? And I know it's going to shock some of you. Someone said, well, God would never send anybody to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You'll send yourself. But you know how much He loves you and me? He will let us choose to do that if we want to. He will let us, wow, this morning. Not only do we got to accept God's direction, apply God's provision, but we need to appreciate God's redemption. What God did that night was so important that He told the nation, He said, I want you to never, never, ever forget it. And this day should be for you a memorial. And you should keep it a a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. And you should keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Passover marked a new beginning. And it bound them together as one nation under God. See, when God frees a person that's under the bondage of sin and self... It's not just the beginning of a new day. Hallelujah. It's the beginning of a new life. God doesn't want what you can do. God wants you to be what you can be. God is interested in giving us a new life. Many of you, when He saved you, there's a beer can in your hand. Years ago, Little white church down here. Wednesday night. Little old lady, precious lady. Come in. She had two little girls. Sitting on the back row. I preached. She couldn't deny all and trusted Jesus as her Savior. A few weeks later, her girls walked the aisle and trusted the Lord as their Savior. I said, I'm going to come by and see you. She said, well, listen, she said, my husband is he's just, he's just really mean. And, and uh, they were from West Virginia, Logan, West Virginia. He said, he's really mean, and I don't know what will happen. It'll be all right. So we go over there, and he's, got, he's staying outside, and he, he is, he's, got, he's got on these white beater T-shirts, you know, and he's, he's, just, he's a big old, he's a, you just tell he's a strong fella. And... Uh, and he, he, he took his leg, he popped it up on the, on the trunk, on the uh, bumper of his car, had a beer in his hand, and stuck it out there just like he is. And he looked at me like, say, okay, just say something. Just say something to me. Well, you know, I ain't stupid. You know? I said, how are you doing? She's in the house. Okay, we're going in the house here. Thank you. 
We're in the house of Sears. She's in there shaking. She had no idea what she was going to do. Well, we, we talked a little bit, left, and sure enough, about two, three weeks later, here he come. And he, he, he'd do something just unnerved me. About halfway through the service, I'd be a preacher, and he'd get up. He'd walk to the middle aisle. We had a middle aisle in that church. He'd walk to the middle aisle, look at me, and out the back door he'd go. He did that probably two or three times. He got up at once the last Sunday morning, and as he stood up in, in, in my, under my breath, you know, uh, uh, well, I said, God, would you please put a stop to that foolishness? Because you know, I just didn't want to have to go back and whip him in the name of Jesus, you know. And uh, and the truth is, I couldn't. And uh, he got to the back door. He turned. He looked. He got to the back door, and just like somebody hit him in the head, the sledgehammer. He turned around. Here he come to the altar. He fell in the altar. God saved by the grace of God. And about probably a year later, I put him in the Sunday school class. And, and man, he, he taught. One day he come to my office and he said, Preacher, Lord's called me to preach. I said, Ernie, Lord might call you to do a lot of things, but preaching ain't one of them. I said, Son, you, no, no, you've been smoking weed or something. No, don't be doing that. No, 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 Ernie. No, Ernie. You just, God, God might have called you to do something, but not preach. He, about two or three months, he come back again. He said, he said, I, I, I believe God's called me to preach. I give him a book on Dear Preacher, Please Quit. I said, go home and read this. I'll never forget, he come in my office. Preacher, whose phone, whose who's car is that? Beeping out there. Okay. All right. Boy, the devil don't like his sermon. I don't think, I think he's been attacking this thing all morning. He ain't winning nothing. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he said, he said, preacher, I love you. And I'd do anything in the world for you. But preacher, I just got to preach. I said, honey, God might just called you then. And I knew at that moment, he'd go back to Logan, West Virginia. And he went up there and God used him for about 15 years. His wife died. Just devastated him. Absolutely devastated this man. I mean, devastated him. And I called him. I said, Ernie, I want you to come down. Spend a week with me. And I said, we'll, we'll treat you right. And that, just come down. Let me encourage you. Just, just, come, just come on down. Finally, we set a date. He's supposed to be here Monday at 9.30. And he didn't show up. 9 o'clock. 9.30, he didn't show up. About 10, I got worried. And his niece had brought him down. So Darlene called his niece. And the next phone call, she called. Hurry, hurry, hurry! Hey, Courtney's dead. And sure enough, we went over there and he had passed away. 
coroner said, wasn't nothing but just his heart quit beating. You say, preacher, what are you telling us that story? Probably one of the best friends I ever had. And I'm so glad that that morning when the death angel came, the blood had been applied to his life. Because now he's with Anna and now he's with the Lord. I want you to understand this morning, we need to appreciate God's redemption. By 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Jesus is our Redeemer. Thirty years Jesus was examined and inspected by family and friends. Three years he was examined by the multitude. A third of the gospel though is given in that last few days. Sadducees examined him. Pharisees examined him. Herodians examined him. Hey, hey, the, the leaders of that day, Pontius Pilate examined him. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. This morning, I have a question. Has the blood been applied? Now don't miss this. Just like the children of Israel, and we're not Israel, we're the church. Praise God for that. But don't miss this. The only way out of that bondage for them was the blood being applied. And this morning you need to understand the only way, the on, just the only way that you're going to heaven today is if the blood's been applied. But preach, I'm a Baptist. Gonna be a multitude of Baptists in hell. I'm a church of God. Church of God folks are gonna die and go to hell. Methodist, the whole crowd. Has the blood been applied? But I'm good. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. That includes all the rest of us, don't it? Preacher, I, I do, I, I, I'm, I'm a church member, and I'm a, I, I, my name's on the church roll. Doesn't make a difference in the role of heaven. When the roll's called up yonder, will you be there? Has the blood been applied? See, I think we're too close. Now look at, everybody look at me just a moment here. I think we're too close to Jesus coming. I think we're too near. I think we're just too near to be playing the game with our salvation and with our soul. I think we're too close. You say, preacher, uh, do, do you really believe we're, I, I believe we're that close. I really do. Why? Because we're, we're, we're doing things today that God's not going to continue to look over. We're, we're crossing boundaries. We, we should, we, you, God's just not going to let us to cross without bringing judgment. And, and I, just, I just believe we're that close. And so this morning, it's time for us to to take another look. You say, preacher, I, I know I'm saved. Good. Can you look? And has the blood been applied? Wonderful. Praise God. Then why don't you get excited about that? 
You need to get excited about the fact you're not going to die and go to hell. You need to get excited about the fact that you're saved. You need to get excited about the fact you're a child of God. You need to get excited about the fact that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that you're going to heaven. You need to get excited about that. We get excited about everything else. We did a band, we did a band thing last night and each book won grand champion last night. And I, we made a mistake. Awesome mistake. We sat in front of the band. The kids that wasn't, I don't, you know, we sat in front of the band. And I, my hearing didn't come back till middle of the night. <laughs> and, I, and, and I thought, fell in front of us, you know what he done? He, he's the, whenever they said, and he's broke one first place, he just done this. He did. But I'm sitting there thinking, I'm a child of God. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm a child of the King. And why can't I get as excited about my Savior as that crowd is over winning a stupid $10 trophy? Or maybe $15. Why can't I get excited about Jesus? We need to get excited and appreciate our redemption. I want to ask you a question. How many of you this morning? Now listen, not, let's, not, let's not play the game. Let's not do it because everybody else is doing it. How many of you are, you really appreciate the fact that you're saved by the grace of God? Amen. I mean, appreciate it. Yes. I mean, thrilled about it. Yes. Thrilled about it. Yes. I, I'm just thrilled about it. See, I want a whole lot like, I want like a lot of you folks. When, when Jesus came by me, he come by a little 11 year old boy, broke as a convict. And I told this story, but I love telling it again. If you come to my house when we was little, my daddy would give you something. He'd give you a piece of meat or, or can of, uh, a quarter of beans. He, he would always give you something. Ain't that what I did? He would always give, no matter who you was, he would give you something before you left. That morning, when I, I, I remember what went on in my mind. And I said, God, I, I ain't got anything to give you. I didn't have, have, have nothing in my pockets. I didn't have anything. And it's just like the Lord said, But Lord, I'll give you me. And guess what? He said, I'll take it. I'll take it. I appreciate I'm thankful. You know what will bring me back tonight? Because I'm thankful I'm saved. Lord God, He saved me from hell. The least I can do is give Him three services a week. least I can do is read His Word. At least I can do is pray. He gave, he gave me eternal life. The least I can do is serve Him. This morning, one way out. By the way, just one way out for you and me as well. So I'll stand to your feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.